what are you doing to generate business now? And they're either calling for sale by owners for hours a day, or they're door knocking for hours a day, or they're getting on the phone and calling their sphere and begging for referrals. All of these things take a lot of time too. So I said, well, if it takes four hours a week to make a video and edit it and upload it, could you just swap out one of those other things for four hours a week? You're listening to The Real Estate Sessions. I'm your host, Bill Risser, with Fidelity National Title, Tampa District. Thanks for tuning in as we uncover the stories of leaders in our industry. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 202 of The Real Estate Sessions podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. As I always say, thank you so much for telling a friend. Uh, today, I get to uh, I get to kind of have some fun with somebody that I, I don't know if she's quite aware of where I'm going to go with this conversation. So having said that, I hope she's still on the line, but I'm talking, <laughs> oh good, she is. I'm talking about Karen Carr. She's with Keller Williams Realty, Coastal Area Partners. I had the uh, really honor and pleasure of watching Karen present at Inman Connect Las Vegas this summer on video. And she's been working in video and real estate for a long time. You've heard me say and others say it's been the year of video and real estate for like nine years now. Well, this is somebody who's really doing it, who can really help us kind of um, maybe with some tips and tricks on how to do this better. Karen, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you very much. I was really excited right up until you gave me that intro. And now I'm terrified with what you're going to ask me. <laughs> <laughs> it, I, I swear it, it won't hurt, but it, but okay. but it's going to be fun. Let All me. Right. Uh, I like to start with where the guests grew up. For me, it just kind of gives people a sense of who they are. Um, and for you, I think you're a Midwesterner. Is is Michigan your home home state? And is that where you uh, you were born and raised? Not even close. This Not is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I've lived in nine states, if I'm counting correctly. I was born in New York. Then we moved to Connecticut, then New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Michigan. Then I went to Utah to go to college, moved to California, moved to South Carolina, and finally Georgia. And wow. in those moves have been multiple moves. So I stopped counting when I got to like 40. I, I, I've moved so many times. I, yeah. Where I'm from is... I don't even know how to answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> Were you in Michigan then when you decided to go to Utah? I, that, I just don't, I'm going to guess there's not a ton of people living in Michigan who just go, I'm going to go to the University of Utah and become a Ute. How did that I know, isn't that funny? It was, yeah. I, I had grown up, you know, always in the Eastern time zone. And then when I was in Michigan and it was time to decide where to go to college, I just figured let's go somewhere I've never been before. So I applied to the University of Arizona, University of Colorado, University of Utah, University of Maine, only because my grandparents lived there. And I thought, well, maybe I could claim to be an in-state resident and tuition would be cheaper. And as I started investigating all of them, I had wanted to be a music major and Utah had a really good school. Plus then I could be a ski bum. So I just picked Utah out of the hat and decided to go there and had never been there before, really didn't know anything about it and ended up living there for 17 years. That's actually the longest I've ever lived anywhere. Now, did you ski before you went to Utah? Yes. Not okay. well, but I skied. But then after living in Utah, man, I even took skiing as a class one winter, like as a college class to be graded on. And I got really good that semester because we were going every single week and having a group lesson for three hours. And by the end of that semester, I was a pretty good skier. 
I, I'm going to call that the Utah Ute version of basket weaving 101. Does that sound about right? Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So you you mentioned music briefly. I, I want to dig into this a little bit. Um, it's it, you're not just talking about music like you play an instrument. Your instrument is your voice. And Correct. so let's talk about first of all, you were probably singing. Um, as a very young girl, you probably sang through some glee clubs in high school. Tell me, tell, give me a little, this is where I'm going to make you uncomfortable. Give me a little bit about that singing career. Oh, sure. Yeah. So as a kid, you know, I was singing into my hairbrush, Captain and Tennille, love will keep us together, all that kind of stuff. And then joined choirs and I loved it. And when I got into 10th grade and I was in choir, they made me the section leader for the altos. And my teacher pulled me aside and said, you know, you're, you're pretty good. You could actually do this for a living if you were so inclined. And so when it was time to apply for colleges, I had no idea what I wanted to be when I grew up. I thought, well, you know what? What if I majored in music? So I had wanted to go the Broadway route. I had been to New York and seen Broadway shows and was like, oh, my God, I want to be up on that stage doing that so bad. And when I got to college, They said, well, you're in the music program. We're going to train you classically. If you wanted to major in musical theater, that's a different program. So we're going to teach you opera. And once I started doing opera, I really, really loved it. And so I joined the Utah Opera Company. The first year I auditioned, I did not get in. They were like, oh, that was really good. Thanks. Don't call us. We'll call you. (laughs) And then the next year I auditioned, they said, wow, you've really gotten a lot better. And so I was just in the chorus. So basically every time there was a crowd scene, that was me. And I'm six feet tall. So it was like, you go stand in the back behind that pillar. So it's not like I was ever the star of the show, but I loved doing it. I've done almost every Mozart opera, every Verdi opera, every Puccini opera. It was it was great. But then it came the point of, okay, if you're really going to be serious about this, you kind of have to move to Europe and do an apprenticeship program And by then I already owned a house. I owned a car. You know, you can't just it's hard to go be a struggling, starving musician after you already have experienced the finer things in life, like eating three meals a day. And so and I saw that they just travel all the time. They literally would the the lead singers would come to Utah for four weeks. We would do three weeks of rehearsals, a week of performances. They would go home for two or three days and then they'd go to the next city. And I just decided as much as I love to travel. I don't want to travel 300 days a year. I don't want to live out of suitcase and never get married and never have a family because you're literally on the road all the time. So I just decided it would be a hobby. I could ask you a thousand questions about this. I'm a <laughs> massive Broadway fan, you know, but, oh. but in, in opera is not my gig, but but that doesn't mean I have a lot of questions. So first, every one of those operas you're talking about, none of them are sung in English, correct? Correct. Yes. And so, so how do you, what's the process for learning, say, a Puccini Uh, opera that's in Italian and you don't know Italian. What do you do? So as part of my training in college, I learned French, Italian, German, and we never sang anything in Spanish. So French was the language I studied and I actually got to be fairly decent at speaking French. Italian, I didn't speak, but I knew the rules of pronunciation. So we learned the rules of how to pronounce the words and same with German. And luckily, one of my dear friends was German. So I'd be like, I'm going to take you out to dinner tomorrow and you're going to help me translate this entire thing. And I'll pay for dinner if you help me translate it. Because you have to know what you're saying. Otherwise, when you're singing, like you could be singing about like my father just died. And if you've got a big smile on your face, that's going to look really (laughs) stupid. So you have to know what you're saying. But I'm not I don't speak German. I don't speak Italian. I just 
know the rules of pronunciation. And now I know a lot of words, but I can't put them together in a sentence. I'll spare the audience uh, any more questions. I'll save those for the next time I see you at a conference, though. Okay, right. We're going to have some, I'm going to buy you a beer and I want to ask you a ton of questions about <laughs> opera. So. Okay. <laughs> All right. Now, you're a trained singer. You can sing. You know how to sing. You tell me that you use that at certain opportunities. Do you, I mean, do you ever go karaoke and all of a sudden it's like, oh, that's different because that she knows what she's doing? You've had to give me a story about surprising somebody. Oh, yeah. I mean, everybody knows that it's funny. I can sing in front of 3,000 strangers and not get nervous. But if you ask me to sing at a dinner party in front of 10 people that are good friends, it, it's like way, way, way scarier for me. So one night, I think it was on New Year's Eve, we were doing a pub crawl, going from place to place. And one of the places had a live piano. And it was kind of like karaoke, except that you had a live accompaniment right there. And so I got up and I sang some like Nat King Cole song and some guy put 50 bucks in the tip jar after I was done singing. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. That, yeah, it's nice to have people think that, you know, when you get up and sing in front of a group of people, you are really opening yourself up for rejection, right? And so for somebody to, to basically validate that, hey, you don't completely suck was really nice. <laughs> We're going to see that, you know, this making yourself vulnerable obviously helped you a lot with what you've kind of developed on the video side of things. So we'll, we'll, we'll get to that shortly. Real estate, becoming a realtor. Where did that come from? What were you doing and how did you get into the business? My husband and I had gotten married and had just had a baby. She was two months old when he got transferred to Northern California. And we said, hey, let's go. I've never been to California before. He had been stationed out there when he was in the Air Force, but that was long before we met. So we moved and we were there for about four and a half minutes before I realized that we were never going to buy a house on a single income because I had planned to be a stay-at-home mom with the new baby in California when the median home price is half a million dollars. So we were going around looking at houses and I was having complete sticker shock. I had just sold my house in Utah for $169,000 and we were looking at houses that were like four fifty, dollars and they were a dump. And I said, hey, what if I got my real estate license? Like at least then if I sold one house a year, I'd be making bank. And then I could represent us when we bought our own house. And so that's how I kind of stumbled into it was surely for like necessity to make some actual money. So we'd be able to be homeowners. And of course, like everybody else, you think that you only have to work two hours a day and you're making six figures because we don't know anything. And right. then once I started doing it and actually helping people, I realized how much I loved it. So how long were you in California? Nine years from 2005 oh. to 2014. Okay. And you've been through a couple different states before you landed in Georgia, right? Correct. So we went from, my parents live in Savannah and we wanted to move back this way because we were out in California all by ourselves. We didn't have any family. When we had our second baby, there was no one to watch my daughter when I went into labor in the middle of the night. I had to ask one of my neighbors, like, hey, can I bring Maddie over to your house and you'll take her to school in the morning? Because I'm going to have a baby in like the next two hours. And so I said, we really need to be closer to family because this kind of stinks. And my husband found a job in Hilton Head, South Carolina, which is about an hour from Savannah. So we went from California to South Carolina. I took six months off to kind of learn my way around. And then I had to get licensed in that state and all that stuff. And at the 12 month mark, he got transferred to Atlanta. And so then we went to Georgia and I had to get licensed there. And 
I hadn't sold a single house when I was in South Carolina because when I was in California, it was the REO boom and all I did was REO listings. I mean, I would do like 40, 000, or 40 transactions to 80 transactions a year, REO listings without having to do any prospecting. I literally just opened my email and they're like, here's your new listing, go get it. So when I got to South Carolina and got licensed and started working, I had no idea what to do. And so I tried farming and postcards and Craigslist ads and, you know, everything I could do outside of cold calling because I really did not want to do any cold calling. And I didn't sell a single house in the six months that I was working there. So then when we got to Atlanta and I ended up joining Keller Williams, they said, don't worry, we're going to teach you how to prospect. So I was calling FISBOs and expireds, but God, I hated every minute of it. It worked. I got business from it, but I hated it so much. And I just decided life is too short to do something that you hate doing for two hours a day. So is this where video enters the picture? Kind of. Blogging yeah. entered the picture. Ah, good. Let's talk about that. To, yeah. So I Googled like how to get seller leads off of Facebook or something like that. And I discovered somebody that was writing about content marketing. If you write a blog post, that's a really good blog post and you're strategic about it with your use of keywords and it's got videos and photos and listicles and all the stuff and it will show up at the top of the Google search results, you can start getting business from that. So I did, started getting business from my blog. It was awesome. Then I read something that said, if you put a YouTube video embedded in the blog post, it's something like 40 times more likely to show up on the first page of Google. So I said, oh, okay, well, I'll make some videos. And then my husband got transferred again and we went to Savannah. And right after we got here, somebody called me and said, I found your YouTube channel. I feel like I know you already. We've been watching all of your videos and we're going to move to Atlanta and buy a house. Will you help us? And I said, dude, you've got the worst timing in the whole world. I literally just moved five hours away. So I had to refer him to somebody else. But that's when the light bulb went off. And it was like, he said he feels like he knows me already because he's been watching all of these YouTube videos. So what if I just skip the blog post to go straight to making videos? And this guy was really brokenhearted when I said I couldn't help him because I didn't live there anymore. Like he and his wife sounded so disappointed. And I thought, I've never even spoken to these people before. And yet they were that invested in working specifically with me that he's really disappointed I can't help him. What if I made video my strategy? So I committed to making a video a week. I would upload the video to YouTube and share it on all my social media, but I didn't spend any money to do any advertising. No pay-per-click ads, no Facebook ads. It was literally just organic showing up in the search results on YouTube. And after about six months, that's probably where I was getting 70% of my business. Tell me that you struggled at the beginning with video because doesn't everybody struggle at the beginning when they start shooting video? Well, I do think that I had an advantage and that I had lots and lots of experience being on stage, right? Because I had been singing professionally for 10 years at this point. So I was never nervous to be in front of the camera. However, I was brand new to my market and I really didn't know that much about Savannah. So I was nervous that, oh, I'm going to say something wrong. I'm going to say escrow instead of attorney because I've been in an escrow state for so long. Or I'm going to say something that's just completely different from how they do business here because every state is totally different in the way that they do real estate. That's what I've learned in moving around a lot is 
Like the way they do things in California is not the way they do things in Atlanta and is not the way they do things in New Jersey. Everything is totally different. So I was nervous about making a mistake as far as saying the wrong thing. But luckily, I never was too nervous to be on camera. Now, I know you help other agents with video, whether it's locally there in the Georgia area or even on national stages now with the Inman Connect crowd. You know, the number one objection I'm sure you hear is, I hate the way I look. I hate the way I sound. Right. I mean, everybody says that. Right. Yes. But what are what are beyond that? What are some other things that are holding agents back? You know, that that keeps them from doing something that's absolutely going to help them get more exposure. Let's see. One of the common ones is it takes too much time. And so I'll say, okay, well, how are you, what are you doing to generate business now? And they're either calling for sale by owners for hours a day, or they're door knocking for hours a day, or they're getting on the phone and calling their sphere and begging for referrals. All of these things take a lot of time too. So I said, well, if it takes four hours a week to make a video and edit it and upload it, could you just swap out one of those other things for four hours a week or maybe replace it all if this is more effective. It doesn't have to be super, super time consuming. It takes time. I'm not going to lie. It's not like you just snap your fingers and you have a video and it's great and you upload it. It does take time. But I also think that everybody wastes a lot of time every day doing crap that's totally unnecessary. I mean, I don't binge watch Stranger Things. I make a video instead. And I know that that's going to bring me six figures of business. So what would you rather do? Would you rather binge watch Stranger Things or would you rather make six figures a year? A little tough love, right? That's what it takes sometimes. Yeah, Yeah. I like it. it. They get afraid of the technology. They think Mm -hmm. that you have to have all of this really fancy camera equipment and all of that stuff. And that is absolutely not true. I record on my phone or my iPad. I have a very inexpensive microphone. I've recently upgraded to a better microphone, but my original microphone was $12. And I face the window so that I get enough natural light. If you need a couple of lights, you could buy a set of two for $50. You could truly be all in on your equipment for less than $100 to get started. Was there somebody that you looked to for inspiration with video? Was there someone already doing it that you kind of watched and went, wow, I like the way they do that? Or maybe you picked up a technique or a trick, like a, a, we'll call it like an online mentor, maybe? I didn't find any other real estate agents that were doing it. I found people that teach you how to have a YouTube channel. So I discovered Sonny Leonard Doozy. Somebody in a Facebook group said, in fact, it might've been in the Snap Pack group, said, you you should watch Sonny Leonard Doozy and, and get some tricks from her. And so she teaches you how to have a YouTube channel. So I started just doing everything that she said. And then I found Nick Nimmin and I found Brian G. Johnson and Sean Cannell and Justin Brown and like all these people that are experts with video specifically on the YouTube platform. And I just started doing everything that they said to do as far as how to structure the video so that it makes sense and it will keep people watching, how to make it interesting because they don't wanna just look at your face talking to the camera for seven minutes straight. You gotta give them something else to look at besides you. And after I just started applying all of those things, it, wow, it really, really, really took off. Uh, distribution of your video. So it's on YouTube. Do you do anything else with it? Like, do you do you upload raw to Facebook or Instagram or do you just link it or how are you kind of sharing what you have? Most of it I just share. So underneath the YouTube video, there's a bunch of share buttons and I will share it to 
Well, I used to share it to Google Plus, even though nobody was on Google Plus. Google owns Google Plus, so I was sharing it there. I would put it on Google My Business. I would put it on Pinterest. I would put it on Instagram. I would put it anywhere. For Facebook, I actually do upload it natively to Facebook simply because I'm trying to make the algorithm happy and right. not if you just share the link, they don't want to drive people away from their platform. So I would upload like a 30 second snippet from the video directly to Facebook and then say, if you want to see the full video, click the link in the comments and go over to my YouTube channel. Is there a way for somebody who has not had the experience you've had as a as a professional entertainer? Is there a way for them to channel that or to learn that? Because I, I know you've got to got you have to have energy if you're going to be doing video. You can't be just kind of moping around through the video. And I know you've seen them. We've all seen them. Yeah. <laughs> Is it possible that some people just shouldn't do video? No, I don't think so. I think everybody could could get better. You don't have to be a natural born performer. And I get a lot of people that say I'm a real introvert. That's okay too. If you're an introvert, but you're still a successful real estate agent, the two are not mutually exclusive. I think that when you go on video, you have to amp up your energy, just like you said. So you're going to be a little more animated on camera than you would be in real life. So you're gonna smile. As you're talking to the camera, smile for God's sake. You don't have to look like you're on your way to a funeral. A smile goes a long way to making you likable and also helping you increase your energy a little bit. And then you're gonna use bigger hand gestures. If you normally talk with your hands, do it. You don't have to stand there stiff as a board and just amp up your energy a little bit. If you're not in a good mood, that's probably not a good day to go record a video. So wait until you're in a really good mood or do something to get yourself all pumped up and then give yourself a little pep talk before you turn on the camera. Like, okay, I can do this. This is going to be great. People are going to love this and get yourself in the right frame of mind. But just know that we all started somewhere. There's not a single person on YouTube that you watch. I don't care who it is that started the way that they are now. We all stunk at the beginning. And the only way you get better is through practice. And you practice over and over and over and over again when you are making a video a week. So if you make a video a week in three months, you're so much better than you were on day one, just from the sheer repetition. And, and the fact that you've got this two-year full-on head start on, on what's happening in this video space today, the fact that you know, Google's transcribing everything that you say, right? And they're crawling all the content of your video. No longer does someone have to go in there and transcribe themselves into the description of the video. Instead, I mean, they know exactly what you're doing, right? Exactly. And that's yeah. really important because when you are, when you say the words in your video and Google knows the words that you're saying in your video, it tells the YouTube algorithm what the video is about. So you are, you're helping your video show up in the search results by the words that are actually coming out of your mouth, not just the title. The title description and, and tags, I've heard you want to keep those congruent and make them align with what you're saying. And when all that happens, that's like a home run in the eyes of Google, right? Agreed. And you also want to do a little bit of keyword research before you record your video. This is a mistake that I see a ton of people make. They'll make a fantastic video and they upload it to YouTube and then they call it Susan's vlog episode 37. No one's ever, ever, ever going to do a, a Google search for Susan's vlog episode 37, but they might do a Google search for how much do homes cost in Dallas. So 
be strategic with the title of your video. Do some actual keyword research first so you know how much in demand is this topic? How many people are searching for that exact phrase on a monthly basis? And how competitive is that keyword? Because if you can find the sweet spot of a whole lot of searches and very little competition, when you make a video on that, it's gonna rank at the top of the search results very, very easily because you don't have any competition. It's like super easy to dominate your market when you have no competition. Let's give the audience, maybe give them three good videos to maybe start with, right? What videos that um, that either showcase an area or something specific about a market. I mean, what would you tell someone just getting started? Here's do do these three. If you live in an area where people are relocating to your area, that has been my personal bread and butter. So the, one of the first videos I made was called Moving to Savannah. And I got that idea from Dustin Brome. So thank you, Dustin. I made a video called Moving to Savannah. And now it's had 15,000 views, all organic without paying for advertising. And I get leads almost every single day from people that say, hey, I found that video. That was so helpful. We just got a job offer in Savannah. We're going to be coming there. Will you help us buy our first house? That sort of thing. So if you're in an area where a lot of people are relocating to your area, that's killer. Next are community tours. So if I'm interested in buying a house and I want to know about we have a neighborhood here called Savannah Quarters. If I wanna know about Savannah Quarters and I do a Google search, all you typically find is somebody's website with the IDX feed showing what's for sale in there. Or maybe somebody has a page dedicated to Savannah Quarters and they have like one paragraph written about the actual neighborhood. But if you go over there and you take a video, here I am in Savannah Quarters. This is the clubhouse. This is the pool. This is the golf course. This is the tennis. This is the da 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 da. And you're kind of showing them the entire area, what it's like to live there, all the reasons why it's a cool place to live. And then I leave the neighborhood and I say, look, Publix is right there. You could get a golf cart and drive to the grocery store in your golf cart without ever going out on the main road. When people do a Google search and that shows up at the top of the search results, who do you think they call when they need a realtor to help them either buy or sell a house in Savannah Quarters? You, because you look like the local area expert. So community tours are awesome. The moving to and living in and cost of living in and what it's like to live here videos are great. If you're trying to get more sellers, tell them like what, what they need to do to get their house sold quickly for as most money as possible. What just general videos, like how much does it cost to sell a house in Savannah? How much should I expect to pay my realtor? And kind of talking about the general costs of things, like you'll have a commission, you'll have prorated property taxes. The buyer might ask you for a closing cost credit. Like you're telling them, this is what you could expect your expenses to be. And then you can talk about what's the market doing. If you put your house on the market, how long is it going to take to sell? What are the popular paint colors that people like nowadays? I just had a seller the other day. Her house is pink stucco. And we had a conversation about how that's not a really appealing color anymore. Back in 95, it was great, but now not so much. And so I told her all of the gray colors that everybody loves, like agreeable gray and blah, blah, blah. So they're, they're kind of how-to videos, if you think about it. People are Googling, how do I, blah, 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 find out what they're asking, and then make a video to answer that question. Right. And with a little a little Googling of the keyword research tools that are out there, it's not that hard to do. Everybody can do it. 
Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I'll give you a, a quick story for me. I, I was we moved to St. Petersburg in January of 2017, and I did a really quick video, mostly for my friends, like a walking tour of downtown, just showing them all the cool stuff because we were excited to be back by the water and we live downtown. Six minutes, mostly for friends. Put it up on YouTube. It's now at 21,000 views. Oh my gosh! I, I show it to realtors all the time. I go, why don't you have this? Why do I have this? You should exactly. have this. Question about referrals. I, I'm wondering if is is it is it a byproduct of being you know active on video? Do you, do other agents find you as well? Oh heck yeah! I mean, I got a referral a couple of weeks ago where her client is buying a house where she lives, but they need to sell their house in Savannah. So when she did a Google search looking for Savannah, Georgia real estate agent or something, I show up at the top of the Google search results, not even the YouTube search results with a ton of videos. So she clicks on a video, listens to me, sees my face, gets to know my personality, and then it's like, oh, my clients would love her, so I'm gonna refer them to her. It totally helps. Yeah, I love that. I love those kinds of stories. I mean, it's all about relationships, no matter which ones you're building, whether it's with another agent or obviously with your clients, but uh, that's great. Karen, I've had you here the half hour I asked of you, so I'm gonna ask you the same question now that I've asked every guest on the show, and that is, if you could give one piece of advice to a new agent just getting started, what would it be? YouTube is a great way to build your business at a very low cost because when you're a brand new agent, you have a lot of time, but you probably don't have a lot of money. And, and making videos does take time, but it doesn't cost very much money at all. Once you've bought the equipment that you need, there's no more money being spent. You could even be a brand new licensed agent, but if you've lived in your town for five years, you're an expert on your area. So start making video content about the things that you already know about and blast them out there. Put it on YouTube, put it on Facebook, put it on Instagram, put it on Pinterest. You will establish a name for yourself faster than you can possibly imagine. And because hardly anybody is using YouTube as a strategy, like I said, it's very easy to dominate your market when you have no competition. Karen, if somebody wants to reach out to you and ask you some more questions, what's the best way for them to do that? Let's see. If they want to learn more about doing video, I actually started another YouTube channel for agents, just giving them tips and tricks on editing and filming and stuff like that. So you can go to youtube.com forward slash Karen Carr. If they want to see the videos that I'm making for buyers and sellers, it's youtube.com forward slash Karen Carr Real Estate. And then my website is youtubeforagents.com. But the thing that I am most excited about is I just wrote a book. And today of all days is the day that it's being published on Amazon. So it's called YouTube for Real Estate Agents, How to Dominate Your Market with Video and Never Have to Cold Call Again. And it's kind of a seven day challenge where on day one, you do this to your YouTube channel. On day two, you do this to your YouTube channel. And at the end of the seven days, you kind of given your YouTube channel a makeover so that you can set yourself up to start getting business from your YouTube channel. And so, yes, that's being published today on Amazon. That is great. And Karen, I've got to have your Twitter handle because it's, it's now in my top five uh, Twitter handles. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny because like back in the day, you kind of 
had to be team Facebook or team Twitter. And I went with Facebook. So I haven't even used Twitter in 10 years. But at the time when I created the Twitter account, I think it was six foot realtor because I'm That's it, six foot realtor. It's <laughs> my favorite of all time. I, I love sharing this is uh, Lauren Walker. Uh, she's a copywriter and I'm a huge, like a fanboy of copywriters. And her, her Twitter handle is insert copy here. Brilliant. Yeah. So and yours obviously tells me a lot about you in three words. So well done. Karen, I, I can't thank you enough for, for sharing your time with us here today. Uh, and really, anyone listening, go check out her stuff. It's You're not doing super high, like massively high-produced videos, right? This is not right. some luxury agent does. This is you looking at the camera, helping people, right? Right, exactly. I mean, I think a lot of people get intimidated because they see those high-end luxury listing videos, and that's not at all, not at all what I'm doing. I'm literally standing in my home office with my phone on a tripod, just talking to the camera, or out in the community with my phone on a little selfie stick. They're not fancy at all. Good. Well, Karen, thank you so much for your time today. My pleasure. Thank you for asking, Bill.